Two down in the ninth. Bumgarner throw. Robinson waits. Here comes the pitch. High drive. Left field. It is out of here. Number 600 for Ken Griffey Jr. I don't believe what I just saw. Barry and Grab behind the back flip the second. On the first, a double play. <laughs> Incredible. Swing and drive. Belton right. Welcome to the show. Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. It's a fly ball to left center field. Back towards the wall. It is gone! Mookie with another three home run game! History of baseball. Three men have done this six times. Johnny Mize, Sammy Sosa, and now Mookie Betts. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's all I have to say on that. How you guys doing? Welcome back to the podcast. If you uh just heard that and you don't know what's going on, what that sound clip is, that is from this night uh with Mookie Betts going deep. August 13th, 2020, in this 60-game season, going against the Padres, S. Chavez Ravine, Mookie Betts went deep three times. And no, this isn't the first time that he's done it. He's done it actually six times. So Mookie Betts is on a tear. So that's what we're going to be talking about on this podcast. We're going to be talking about Mookie Betts a little bit of the Dodgers, maybe. I don't know if we have time. But, but, but we'll be talking about Mookie Betts and everything that he has just accomplished and what that really means. Talking Charlie Blackman also, because these guys, I mean, they're 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 chasing record books is pretty much what they're doing in this 60-game stretch. I mean, Mookie Betts doesn't necessarily have to finish his record uh, at, at this moment in time, but Charlie Blackman is going for something that's only been done just the one time uh, with with Ted Williams, 1941. We'll talk about that, and we're going to be talking about playoff bubbles, the new proposal, or I guess it's not really a proposal, it's just a, a conversation that was getting started uh, with baseball, which may be, you know, may, maybe they have their heads on straight now. Maybe they, they finally figured it out. They uh, were trying to reinvent the wheel, and then they just said, oh, you know what, this wheel isn't too bad. So let's, let's we'll talk about all of that in this podcast. But how are you guys doing? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, hope you're ready to, to talk baseball. I mean, we're, we're always here to talk baseball, and we're just going to jump right on into it. And we're going to start with the Cardinals, uh, where we talked about, I mean, you know, we were hoping for the full slate of games on Friday. Looks like we'll have to wait until Saturday because the Cardinals have another positive test once again. Uh, they are going on almost two and a half weeks now uh, since their last game. Their last game was played July 29th. Um, and they, they're just so behind everyone else in their division. They've only played five games up to this date where everyone else is usually, they're kind of around 16, 17 games by now. So the Cardinals, one of their tests, uh, one of their coaches tested positive for the Cardinals, 
the good thing is is that that coach was actually isolated from the team and hadn't had contact with the team. How realistic, how true that statement is, I don't know. But that is what we're getting from the coach, uh, from the coaching staff, from the organization, that the coach wasn't in contact with the team. So the game on Friday with the Cardinals and the White Sox was canceled, but there is a doubleheader slated for Saturday. Um, their doubleheader slated for Saturday, and this will be 17 games since the last time the Cardinals, 17 days since the Cardinals last played a game. Uh, but they're still on track as of right now when I'm recording this in my hell studios right now. I am I'm sweating. I'm like drenched in sweat right now. You guys don't even know. <laughs> but uh, anyways, the uh, the Cardinals looks like they're still going to be playing um, the on Saturday as I'm recording this on Thursday night. Uh, it does look like the Cardinals will get those games in. But they're at about 55 games to 45, 43 days. So we'll have to see how that goes with the Cardinals. I mean, you're looking at... Mo- they're start. They're coming back on a doubleheader, and you're gonna look at multiple doubleheaders in this season. Uh, you just you just hope that nobody gets injured. I mean, you hope that they can keep their rosters big, um, so that they could finish those doubleheaders. And then you also hope. I mean, because if the Cardinals come back and they're able to play their games, that's great. But you also hope that anyone else. I mean, you hope that this is the last you know, issue that goes on in Major League Baseball right now. You hope this is the last time that we hear of COVID. It's probably not going to be, but as far as an outbreak to where teams are missing multiple games here, you hope that this is the last time because the Cardinals, you know, they're already slated for the 55 games in 44, 43 days until the end of the season. Now you hope that they don't have to go through another team that gets hit with COVID because that also hurts them. It, it, they may not catch COVID or anything like that, but it also hurts them as far as games to be played. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Cardinals season ends up happening. Uh, but I guess, you know, all that negative talk, they have a positive here. They're calling up their number one prospect, Dylan Carlson. He went to Elk Grove High School, local in California. So uh, th- that'll be interesting to see uh, what happens because with this season, I mean, we were expected to see a lot of top prospects in this season. So Dylan Carlson will be that guy for the Cardinals. Now, we're talking about COVID. Let's talk about some communications that are going on with Major League Baseball. and ba- Major League Baseball you know, when you look at the bubble format, right? When you look at the bubble format, you look at NBA, you look at MLS, you look at all the soccer leagues, now you look at NHL, they're doing fine in the bubble format. And baseball is not doing fine. They're not in a bubble format. Well, now MLB is contemplating using a bubble environment for playoff games. Way to join the party, MLB. After you had multiple outbreaks, they're they're like ass backwards right now. Like why why didn't they talk about this bubble environment at the, from the get go? From the get go, why why is this just now a thing? They're just they're just sitting there 
you know, on their Zoom calls, uh, in their boxers, because, you know, no one's wearing pants nowadays anymore unless you go out to Walmart or Target. But, uh, <laughs> hell, I'm not wearing pants right now during doing this podcast, just being real. But, uh, you know, they were just sitting on their Zoom calls, and someone was just like, hey, why don't we use the bubble format? <laughs> a little late there, buddy. <laughs> My God. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that they're joining the party. But what the hell? What? I like that they're actually thinking proactive, that they're going to get to a playoff, okay? Because with everything going on with the Marlins, with the Phillies, with uh, now the Cardinals, I mean, you hope that we're able to finish a season, but they're just like, all right, well, if we do get there, we got to have a plan. Let's do the bubble. The bubble sounds like a good idea. You like a bubble? I like bubbles. <laughs> Man, MLB, so what they're planning on doing is what they could, you know, it's a good idea is that they can have host cities. So team, just think of teams that have multiple ballparks within the the same vicinity, right? You can have a uh, the you know the National League go to Los Angeles, play at Dodger Stadium, play at Angel Stadium, and then you could have the uh, the American League go to either Chicago or New York. I mean, you think of Chicago, you got both of the ballparks there. You have the White Sox and the Cubs. And then you go to New York, you have the the Yankees and the uh and and the Mets. And then if you want to throw in Buffalo, I mean that's kind of far that's they're kind of far away, but they're in the same state of New York. I don't know if if they're trying to go with states. I mean, if you want to look also, which I highly doubt would ever happen, but uh you could also look at the Bay Area. You got the Giants, Oracle Park, and then you have the Coliseum with the A's. But you know MLB is not going to want to have playoffs being held at the Coliseum. You know, they they barely want to see the A's play there. So I highly doubt that they'll bring in other teams uh, to do that also. But you're looking at multiple host cities. Uh, those are just some of the options that you can have. You can also do um, possibly, I, I don't know the demographics of the Rangers and the Astros, but they're both in the state of Texas. Um, I think they're kind of far away, but you know, it's, it's teams like that teams that are in the same, uh, the same location, but Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, they all sound like viable options. Um, so they could swift, uh, switch the postseason to, uh, to a big city like Los Angeles have multiple teams to stop the outbreak of COVID. Like I said, Way to join the party. It's just, I feel like they're they're so behind. Like that, that is just so prime example of baseball, of how out of touch they are in everything that goes on. Uh, but just glad that they're finally joining the party. I mean, it's better to join it later than not show up at all. So uh, MLB baseball, looking at the bubble, I'm all for it. Doesn't matter. There's not going to be fans. I mean, um, Cincinnati, They've been talking about letting fans into the ballpark there. Uh, you got the rooftops at Wrigley, but other than that, fans aren't going to be in the stands. So why do they have to be playing at their at their ballpark? I mean, it, I really don't. Why they haven't switched to a bubble format now? I just I just don't understand. So uh, that that's a good thing moving forward from there. But let's go ahead and talk about Mookie Betts because 
We haven't really talked about Moogie Betts yet, and we started off with that piece of audio with Moogie Betts hitting his third home run of the day, and this is his sixth game. Think about that. This is his sixth game that this guy has hit three home runs in one single game. That is impressive. He has tied only two others, Johnny Mize and Sammy Sosa. Those are the only other guys that have met that feat. Three home runs, six times. Now, you look at all these other guys, Mark McGuire, three home run games. He has five. Barry Bonds has four. Ted Williams has three. Talk about Ted Williams in a little bit. You got Willie Mays with three. Babe Ruth with two. Ken Griffey. These are all home run hitters. Big Poppy doesn't even have one game with three home runs. Big Poppy. David Ortiz. Mookie Betts has six. And this guy is only 27 years old. The other guys, 27 years old, 311 days old, okay? 27 years, 311 days old from when Mookie hits his sixth three-homer game. The other guys, Johnny Mize, was 37 when he met that mark. Sammy Sosa was 33. Mookie's 27. (laughs) What? (laughs) This guy's going to end with like 20. He's 27 years old. And when you look at this, when you look at the age comparison, Mize only had four at Mookie's age, which is still impressive. But he only had four at Mookie's age. Sosa had one at Mookie's age. If the age thing doesn't trip you out enough, Sosa, 2,354 career games. Mize, 1,184 career games. You want to know how much Mookie has? (laughs) It's shocking, to say the least. Mookie Betts has a whopping 813 games. And he has tied these guys. Prior to this, he was in a tie with A-Rod, With Mark McGuire, who we just mentioned, Carlos Delgado, Joe Carter. Well, now he's tied with Sosa and Mize. And he has 10 years on Mize from when he hit his sixth. He has six years on Sosa. So you know he's going to break it. But now the question is, how many does he get? Six. Maybe he ends with 10. Maybe he ends with 12. 
Hell, I threw 20 out there, but maybe that's not out of the picture. Six at 27. And then you know what what freaks me out even more? Is that the ballpark that he did it in is going to be his home ballpark for the next 12 years. 13 years, if you count this year. Because he signed that massive contract, the 12-year contract extension, 365 mil. And then you look at what Mookie's doing now. Because we were talking about Mookie a little bit. And let's just be honest, he wasn't looking good. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. There was a point where I believe he was hitting like one... 196, maybe two, maybe 212, something like that. He wasn't doing too good. He wasn't hot. He did hit a home run and, and all that, but he wasn't looking good in his early days as a Dodger. You know it was only a matter of time before he put it together because he's hit safely in 13 of his last 14 games, and he leads the team in homers with seven. That is with a Turner. That is with a Muncie. That is with a Bellinger. Leads the team in doubles with six. And leading the squad with 13 extra baits hits. <laughs> so after a rough start, is that just saying how good Mookie is or how bad the rest of the team is right now? I think it's... You know, it's it's how good Mookie is. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I think it calls to. Because he is now hitting three nineteen. When I could have sworn last week, maybe the week before that, he was at like a two twenty, maybe a two twenty. During this stretch of fourteen games, he's hit four oh five. Four oh five. With an OPS of 1.081. That is massive. (laughs) That's just, that's crazy. That is just crazy. So Mookie, you know, he's chasing the record books. Doesn't have to do it this year. But hell, if he does it this year, that'd that'd be amazing. He'd have two in the same... In the same season. But you know who else is chasing a record? Is in the NL West. Who actually, these two guys still have to collide at some point this season. Because the Rockies and the Dodgers haven't played against each other. They still have 10 games to play. Now, we talk about Mookie during this stretch. Hitting 405. Charlie Blackman is hitting 472. Now, a couple of days ago, he ended the day at 500. I want to say he was 30, 32 of 64, or it might have been 34 of 68. Regardless, he was 500. And. When you talk about 
you know, this season, how much how much weight is going to be put onto this season? We all know, like everyone even talking about the World Series, like you can't call it the World Series, it's going to be called something else. You know, people are always trying to, you know, invalidate this season. Put an asterisk next to it. But still, I mean, yeah, put an asterisk next to it because it's only a 60-game season. But Blackman trying to chase Ted Williams and hitting 400 in a season. Ted Williams did that 406 in 1941. And in that season, he had 606 plate appearances. Now, you know Blackman isn't going to have that many. You know he's not. This is not, this is not possible. But he went 185. This is Ted Williams in 1941. He went 185 for 456. That would give him that 406 batting average. Now, Blackman, we're, we're about a quarter of the way through the season now. Got to get to 60 games. We've only played about 70, something around, or 70. We've only played around 17, give or take a few games. But... He's sitting at 7 or 472. Now, again, he has dropped off since the last time I checked. He was at 500. But still, I mean, he's not going to be playing catch-up. He's playing pretty much keep-away from going under 400. It's a lot harder to catch it going up than to stop it from going down. Now... The question is, will you still hold this as a significant record? Because, I mean, yeah, it's still impressive with the 60 games, but it's not through a whole season. I just told you, 606 plate appearances. That's a lot. Blackman will be lucky if he gets, you know, two two fifty, maybe three hundred. I, I don't know, maybe three hundred. I would say two fifty is probably a good number. But I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know how that's gonna go. I really don't like. Yeah. It's it's nice if he does get to four hundred. It would he he doesn't care. He's just like, well, I, I still did it. <laughs> but you know, other guys, it's not impossible to hit four hundred through a sixty game stretch. It's more difficult to do it through the whole season, because I mean, hell. Joe DiMaggio, in that same 1941 season, DiMaggio, during his 50-game, 50 56-game hit, 
during his 56-game hitting streak, he went 91 for 223 and hit 408 with 15 home runs and 55 RBIs. That could be what Blackman ends with this year. It could be. I mean, right now he only has three home runs, but he has 20 RBIs. Maybe he gets that 15 and 55. But then you look at other players. I mean, Jose Altuve in 2017, the year that they used the trash cans. <laughs> the year they used the trash cans. Well, Altuve did it. He hit 420. Joey Votto in 2016, he did it. Through a 60-game stretch. McCutcheon in 2012, he did it through a 60-game stretch. The last player to do it in the first 60 games of the season is Hall of Famer Chipper Jones back in 2008. And he was at 409. Now, none of those players got close to the 400. But Chipper, he ended the season with a 364 average. So, I guess the question is, would you really see Blackman? I mean, because that was the question. Are we going to see someone hit 400? Because it's such a condensed season. And like I just mentioned, all these guys have done it through a 60-game stretch. Would it still be significant if he happened to hit 407? What if he was closer to what he is now? What if he ends the season... And like 460, I would say that's really significant. If he's at about the same of Ted Williams, I mean, you can't really compare the two. But hell, if he's tearing it up and he's at like 460, 455, that's really impressive. 60-game season or not. I mean, you just you just take the circumstance and run with it. And for Blackman to do it at this stage of his career, age 34, it's impressive. It really is. So we'll have to see if he's able to do it. Because, I mean, the other thing too, are are people going to take this away from from Blackman? Looking at where he plays. He plays in Coors Field. We all know the ball flies there. Maybe not as much as it once did, but it still flies there. And then what he was talking about is, you know, I would think that it would be a little bit more difficult for Blackman. I mean, yeah, he goes to Coors Field, and it it's a, it's a hitter's paradise there. But what happens is that what he was talking about in an interview is that hitters get Coors Field adapted right they they get primed for course field because pitchers attack you differently in course field breaking pitches don't work as well in denver and when they go on the road they get a heavy dose of it when at course field they get fastballs and location where you could just 
tee off on somebody. But not the case on the road. On the road, you have to adjust. And he goes on and talks about that. He's like, yeah, you get used to it. And he said that the first series away from Coors Field was as tough as any. He couldn't pick up any breaking pitches. So if anything, I mean, yeah, you want to look to Coors Field as helping the hitter, but it could also damage the hitter away from Coors Field. So for me, for him to do that is even more impressive. So I don't know what side you're on, but go ahead and let me know what side you're on with Blackman if you look at it as being a significant accomplishment, if he does, in fact, finish above 400. Because, again, through a 60-game stretch, it's not viewed as impossible. So maybe he can do it. Sitting at 472 with a quarter of the season already completed. Now, let's go ahead. I mean, we talked about Ted Williams. We talked about DiMaggio, a Yankee. Let's go ahead and look at the season. Um, Let's go ahead and look at the weekend series. Let's start with the Yankees. Yankees and Red Sox, the good old-fashioned rivalry that everyone talks about. Everyone wants to see. We had the rivalry of the West last weekend. Now we have the rivalry of the East. The old school rivalry with the Red Sox and the Yankees. And this couldn't have come at a worse time for the Red Sox. (laughs) The Red Sox gave up 42 runs to the Rays this past week. They do not want to see the Yankees. The Yankees are a scary team. I mean, they did just lose Stanton to a hamstring, which is that really shocking? I mean, it is Stanton. He gets hurt all the time. You just, you know, right now you're just holding your breath if you're a Yankees fan. You don't want to see, uh, you don't, you don't want to see Aaron Judge go down. I hate to speak that into existence, but that's the fact of it. But anyways, the Red Sox do not want to see the Yankees, regardless if they don't have stand or not. Because Yankees, they, they've hit, as a team, 31 home runs on the season. Now, that's not number one. Actually, the Dodgers are number one in that category. And that's not even number one in the AL. That's actually number three in the AL. Look at this look at this list of home runs. You got the Dodgers, the Angels, the Padres, the Twins and the Yankees. Yes, I said the Padres and the Angels. <laughs> In that category. That is uh you know the Twins, the Yankees you're not shocked about. Dodgers obviously not. Angels I guess maybe not so much shocked about. I mean they do have Rendon now. He's been uh Hitting home runs left and right this week. Padres, though. That boy Tatis, man. That's that's the question. If you had to start your franchise, and maybe we'll talk tackle this next podcast, but if you had to start your franchise with one of these four players, 
who would it be? Would it be Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis Jr., or Luis Robert? Who would you go with? I'd probably go Tatis, man. I mean, I love me some Acuna, but Tatis is just tearing it up. That guy's on fire. But anyways, luckily, not even luckily, the Red Sox still have a, a, a horrible draw because they gave up. The, the, the Rays were hitting terribly before they played the Red Sox. They were hitting 208 as a team. As they leave, as they're done, they're now hitting four or two forty six. <laughs> what? How did that happen? Forty two runs this week. That was not a good one. And with the Yankees coming to town, with the Rays hot on their tail, you know the Yankees are going to want to give it to the guys from Boston, the Red Sox. They got Garrett Cole pitching on Friday. That'll be a good matchup. And you got Hap. You got Paxton also during during the weekend. So that's what's going on with the Yankees and the Red Sox. A good old rivalry there. Now we talked about the, the Rays. I mean, they're hoping to stay hot. They have the biggest winning streak currently at six games. The Rays will travel to Buffalo, take on the Blue Jays, who are sitting at 6-9. and nine. Blue Jays have won their first game in Buffalo in, I want to say it was, it was 115 years or something like that, against the Marlins, the red-hot Marlins. But that's what's going on with the Rays. They're going to be taking on the Buffalo Blue Jays. But talking Marlins... They're still leading the East. <laughs> They're still leading the East. It's only by one game, and it's over the Braves. Well, guess what? Now the Marlins have the chance to defend that crown because the Marlins and Braves are facing off this weekend. This is the test for the Marlins. They have a three-game set at home, which is actually their first home game this season at their home ballpark since they were devastated by COVID in that first weekend. So the Marlins taking on the Braves. Atlanta, they're coming into it with a three-game losing streak. Also coming into it without Acuna. So we're going to see how the Braves can maneuver that to see if they can... At least, you know, take two out of three. Maybe even just, you know, try to get a sweep. But without Acuna, might be hard. But that is a very close division because you not only have the Marlins and the Braves, also you, you have the Mets. Mets are only three games back. The Nats are three and a half. And the Phillies are are four games out. So, I mean, that division is... Tight knit as any others. But one that is kind of cracked wide open 
is the NL Central. The NL Central is just, you know, they, they're just, the, 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 the Reds are six and a half games back from the Cubs. Reds are the second place team. But then you look at everyone else, and, you, and then you have the Cardinals there with those five games that they've played. It's just not fair. And still, the Pirates maneuver away to be under the Cardinals still. That, that, that's just, <laughs> they're just bad. They're just bad. They're waiting for this season to be over. But the Cubs, they're taking on their division rivalry with uh with the Brewers. Brewers 7 and 10, Cubs still sitting at 13 and 3, which is league best right now. Then you switch on over the Rangers. Rangers are taking on the Rockies. Rangers are actually trailing the A's by 4 games in the AL West. They're in that number 2 spot, half a game ahead of the Houston Astros. But the Rangers, they'll be heading to Coors Field to take on the Rockies. And that and then that's, I mean, we're still watching Blackman. But I'm going to be watching for Joey Gallo in this one. Joey Gallo at Coors Field? You're asking for a 600-foot home run. <laughs> that, that, that could very well happen. Maybe, maybe not 600, but you're, t- you're talking 500-plus for Joey Gallo. So that'll be a fun watch. Then you got the Stars coming out. In Hollywood, in Los Angeles, you got Mookie, you got Trout, you got Rendon, you got Bellinger, you got Kershaw. Hell, you even have pool holes still trying to get 660. Got all the stars lined up in Los Angeles as the Dodgers take on the Angels for the Freeway Series. Then you got the Battle of the Bay up north in Cali. You got the Giants taking on the A's in San Francisco. Battle of the Bay over the weekend. And the A's have their dirty rotation lined up for the Giants, for their cross-bay rivals. Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, and Sean Manaya. You couldn't have picked a worse draw for the San Francisco Giants. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. But it's not looking good already, and the series hasn't even started. So that is all the matchups for this weekend, all the go-to matchups. Got a lot of good baseball. And then remember, Cardinals aren't playing on Friday, but they got the doubleheader with the White Sox in Chicago on Saturday. And all the teams... We'll be back, at least for one day, until it happens again. So you guys, have a good one. Enjoy this weekend. Try to stay out of this god-awful heat. If your AC is broken, I feel your pain. Jump in a pool, break open a fire hydrant, spray yourself with the hose, do what you got to do to survive, because I am still dripping wet here. So... You guys have a good one. Thank you for joining in. Once again, as always, you guys be safe, stay healthy, and even though they have a very horrible draw this weekend in the Battle of the Bay, I got to say it, got to represent for my boys. Go Giants.